All right. Hey, Rockbridge, my name is Matt and just want to welcome you however and wherever you're watching from, maybe from your living room, maybe from your mobile device or in one of our six locations, however you're watching. This is a great time to be a part of just coming because it's the first uh, series that we're kicking off. And uh, so thank you so much for being here. And so, uh, look, I've, I've got like two seats over here. I've got the nice kind of comfortable chair and then I've got a t chair with a towel on it and a, and a weight on it. And so just imagine, you know, you walk into a room and you're looking for a place to sit and naturally, right, and, and just, you know, qu quite normally and naturally, you're just going to like kind of typically say, hey, you know what, I just want to sit right here, right? I mean, this is like what we would gravitate toward. Why? Because it's more comfortable. Exactly. You can type that in if you're watching digital. This is kind of comfortable. I don't see if I can preach a whole sermon here. But no, but this is just like more comfortable. And, and we, there's just something about you, something about me where we just gravitate toward comfortable, where we just gravitate toward, hey, I just want to sit here. I mean, it's like, this is kind of like, wow, I mean, that doesn't look attractive. That doesn't look like it would feel as good. And, and there's some stuff that maybe I'm supposed to do, like I'm supposed to do concentration curls and there's a towel and I'm like going to break a sweat. And, and so then here we are and we just want to be comfortable. We want easy. We want it to feel good and we want it to be okay. And here's the challenge though. Here's the challenge. And, and you don't really need me to tell you this because you've lived this, I've lived this. Life is never consistently easy or comfortable. Like if I asked you 2020, which, which one is 2020, right? I mean, all of us are like, this is where we feel like we're sitting as a nation. This is where we feel like as just people, right? Because we're sitting in, in the middle of some type of pandemic. We've got presidential politics, which are a little uncomfortable. We've had to probably talk about race more than we wanted to. We've had to think about death more than we hoped to. And, and, and you've gone through stuff, and some of you have lost income or lost jobs or lost loved ones. And it, and just, it, this happens every year, not just 2020, but it just feels like if we've got to describe a year, it's like 2020 is the year of the uncomfortable. And, and, and in our spirit, though, we're longing for 2021, but really what we're longing for is comfort, is comfort. And, and I just want to think about this series for just a second with you. I just want to kind of share what I would call like my pastoral heart, my pastoral heart. And, and my pastoral heart would, would tell you this, okay? Even though there's like a gravitational pull to go here. And, and, and we can be sitting here in life or in 2020, and we're just like, man, this can't be of God. Well, God, what are you doing? God, why are you letting? And it just feels like, man, if there is a God, he wants me here. If there is a God, he, he, he would put me in this place, not this place. So that confuses me, God, about you, messes up my theology. I'm not even sure what I believe anymore. And, and it's just, I got to, because if, if there is a God, wouldn't, wouldn't we just want to be comfortable? And he, he, here's my heart, okay? If we rush to comfortable, just like we walk in a room and we want to rush to this chair versus the one I'm sitting in. If we rush to comfortable and we believe comfortable is how God wants us to be and we rush to easy and we rush and like, I just got to get through this. I'm afraid we might miss God. I'm afraid we might not understand and, and, and cooperate with what God might be doing or what God might be calling us to. And, and I'm afraid we would misconstrue the will of God. 
we would misconstrue God's best for us. Because it's just easy to think, man, good God, God loves me, God wants me comfortable. And it's hard to think, okay, good God, all powerful, why would God want me here? Why would I have to go through this? But as you think about that, and I was thinking about that, isn't this true though? Let me just, just hold with me for a second. While we all like and drift and crave comfort, don't we actually want things that won't always be easy or comfortable? Have you ever thought about that? Like, <coughs> we drift here. We drift here, right? But then we look over here and it's like, man, I'd like to be in better shape. Well, you're going to have to get uncomfortable, right? We, we, we look here and we're like, man, I, I'd, like to be, uh, I, I'd like to be a better student. Well, you're going to have to get off your Xbox and open your books, right? You, you, some of you, you know, it's like, hey, I, I want a better marriage. I want a better marriage. Well, you may have to pick up your towel and serve your spouse more. Oh, no, 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 I don't know about that. But isn't that true? Like, I, I, I run into people all the time. They're like, man, I just want to know more of God. I'm like, okay, well, are you willing to, you know, read your Bible every day or most days? And there's this tension inside us, right? We want things that we have to go through uncomfortable to get. But then there's this tension that we want to be comfortable. And so we're in the middle of stuff right now that makes us uncomfortable, that challenges us, that, you know, we just long for the lazy boy, we long for the comfortable chair. But if we could just pause for a second and agree together that what is comfortable cannot be the penultimate deciding factor. So if I'm going to choose left or right, I cannot choose left or right simply on the basis of, God, this is more comfortable than this, so it must be this. I, I cannot say, okay, this chair or this chair, man, God wants me in this chair, so it must be this way, right, God? I cannot do that. I cannot do that. And so what we're going to do for the next several weeks is we're just going to look in Scripture and, and just look at stories of people who were willing to get, to go through, to endure uncomfortable. And yet they still got God's best. And God's best is the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. So today we're going to look at a guy named David. And David, <coughs> you know, the, one of the famous kings of Israel, David had a lot of times in his life where he went through uncomfortable. And I'm just going to zero in on one particular story. If you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn to 2 Samuel chapter 6. I'll put the verses up here on, on the screen for us. And, you know, turn your Bible on, open your Bible up. But, but here, here's the story in, in 2 Samuel 6, okay? David had uh, tried to bring the Ark of the Covenant, Indiana Jones, right? No, just the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, and they mishandled the Ark, and, and because the Ark is God's presence and, and it's God's holiness, they mishandled the Ark, they disobeyed one of the commands of God, and one of David's men died. In, in that whole incident. And so out of that, David feared the Lord that day and said, how can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? If I'm going to have the ark of the Lord, if I'm going to enjoy and get into the presence of God, it is awfully uncomfortable. And I'm going to have to go through uncomfortable. And so look what it says. <coughs> 
So he was not willing to bring the ark of the Lord to the city of David. Instead, he diverted it to the house of Obed-Edom of Gath. Now, now couldn't we just, just change some things around? But couldn't we say this about ourselves? So she was not willing to invest in the marriage. So he was not willing to invest in the spiritual leadership of his family. So they were not willing to go to the gym three to five days a week. So he was not willing to do what the doctor said to get his cholesterol under control. So he was not willing to do the gym work and the workouts that the coach asked him to do. And I could just give example after example after example where, you know what, it just is safer here, it's easier here, it's comfortable here, it's a little better here. I'm afraid of what it would take to go over here, so I'm just going to sit right here. And that's where David is. That's where David is. And so the ark of the Lord remained in his house for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and his whole family. God's manifest presence, what it looked like in the Old Testament, was, was contained in around the ark. So he blessed his whole family. And so it's reported to the king, to King David. It's like the Lord has blessed Obed-Edom's family and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David hears, man, I, I'm here. I, I'm afraid. I'm comfortable. I, I, messing with the ark is a dangerous thing. There's no guarantees when we touch, the, you know, I'm not sure what to do. But God, the guy who's over here and has the ark, He's being blessed, and I'm missing something. And see, that, that, that's, that's the tension point, right? Because, yeah, it, it, I, I feel good now. I'm comfortable now. But I might be missing something that God has for me or God wants for me, but it's going to require me to move over and be willing to get a little uncomfortable. So David makes a decision. So David went and had the ark of God brought up from Obed-Edom's house to the city of David with rejoicing. Now, this word rejoicing, we could say worshiping, we could say celebrating, we could say praising, we could say just full of joy. David is happy. David is ecstatic. And David, in this moment, is fulfilling his purpose as a worshiper. You know, yes, David's position and David's platform in life and David's is to be the king and, and to be the king through whom whose family line, the Messiah Jesus, comes through. But, so, but David's core verb, the core action of David's life is to rejoice. I mean, look at some of the Psalms that he wrote. Psalm 27, 7, David says, One thing I ask from the Lord, this alone do I seek. God, this is what I want. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That I may be in your presence. That I may gaze on the beauty of the Lord. That I may enjoy your glory and I may seek him in his temple. So when David brings the ark, David is fulfilling just his core purpose, and David is fulfilling his core role as a worshiper. And, and so here, here's the insight, okay? And, and this, we need to know this about God, okay? Because some of us, we get so confused about God, but we need to understand this. God has a way of positioning our purpose beyond our level of comfort and often through our fear. God, God just has this way about himself where he, he says, your purpose is over here, but it's beyond your level of comfort, and sometimes you're going to have to go through your fear. And, and I've heard it. I've heard it just so much. I know a lot of people are afraid. I know a lot of people are uncomfortable. 
But can we just stop for just a minute? And instead of using that as evidence against God, or instead of having that cause incredible stress and incredible anxiety, can we just stop and stop and say, maybe, maybe, maybe God's purpose, which cannot be thwarted. Let me, tell you, let me say that again. God's purpose cannot be thwarted. Not by pandemics or politics. God's purpose cannot be thwarted. But maybe his way is to position our purpose beyond our level of comfort and often through our fear. So, so here's what that means. Many of us feel like this is where we are. And we would so love to get back to here or have a new version of this appear at some point in the next 30 days or three minutes, right? But maybe God's got something for us right here. Maybe. I think the scripture is going to show us in this series, it's not maybe, it's definitely. It's definitely. And so as David is, is sitting in safety while the ark is over there in Obed-Edom's house, he has this realization as he sees Obed-Edom being blessed. He says, you know, he realizes we are supposed to live with God's blessing and from God's blessing. And I, I want everybody to hear that. Now, now blessing does not always mean comfortable and easy, right? This doesn't, just because I'm sitting in a chair like this doesn't mean I'm blessed, okay? And, and blessing is something we're trying to get, but God is actually trying to give blessing, and he's trying to give blessing freely. That's called grace, and that's called mercy. And do you realize in the beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, he gave them a purpose, he gave them significance, he gave them an identity, and he gave them blessing, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. This is why we value human life. This is why Christians are against abortion. This is why we're, you know, we don't, racism is, is, is just so unscriptural because everybody you meet is made in God's image. That gives them inherent dignity, right? Male and female, he created them. So we value gender. And look, he blessed them. So, so, so listen, wherever you are in life, there's an innate desire to live with blessing, to live with favor, because that's how you were created in the beginning. Just like God created your body and my body to run on oxygen and to need water, he created us to be blessed. Now, what did we do, though? We were, we were with this blessing, but then Satan interjected a fear, and the fear was you can get more blessing apart from God than you can get with God. So go down this shortcut path. God's holding out with, on you. God's not got good in mind for you so you can disobey his commands. The temptation hasn't changed today. God has laws. God has rules. God has commands. And there's still a voice saying you'll be more blessed if you go around God or get rid of God than if you stay with God. And so that interjected a problem, a sin problem. And what did God do? Because God wanted us to live with this blessing. So here's what he did. He sent his son Jesus. His son Jesus suffered for us once for all. So our faith is founded on the God-man Jesus who got very uncomfortable to get you and I back so we could be in a place of blessing. I mean, when the, when the central symbol of, of Christianity is a cross... And we want to turn it into a, a comfortable chair? Come on. Right? And so this Jesus suffered for our sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, the perfect for the sinful, that he might, what would he do? Bring us back to God. What did David want for the ark? Is to get back the presence of God. 
And then when you give Jesus the steering wheel of your life, look at what becomes true. All praise to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are one or we are united with Christ. And so David is sitting here afraid to move, afraid of God, afraid of what might happen. Something bad happened the last time. A guy, one of his guys, <coughs> one of his men got killed. But he looks over here and he says, I've got to face my fear. I've got to overcome comfort inertia. I've got to overcome the gravitational pull. And I realize he, there is something over there that I'm destined and designed to have, which is the blessing and the favor of God to be in the city of God, the city of Jerusalem, and for the all of Israel to be blessed. And so I am going to get up out of comfort, and I'm going to go do what's necessary to get the presence of God back for my people. So how do we learn from this and overcome what I'm going to call comfort inertia? You know what comfort inertia is, right? You get home, and you get in your chair, and she's like, hey, honey, can you help take out the trash? And you're like, oh, no. You know, right? You're settled in. You're sunken in. That's comfort inertia. Comfort inertia is like, oh, I wish it were 2019 or something like that. Right? We get in this position, and it's hard to get out of it. Have you ever gone to the gym, right, and you were doing so good? You were, oh, oh, and then all of a sudden, you get over here, you get out of the habit. Oh, I'm comfortable. So how do we overcome comfort inertia? Here's the first thing. There has to be a vision, a vision in your heart, a vision in your soul that what could be is greater than what is and the what ifs. What is, I'm safe, I'm routine, I'm comfortable, I'm in my, you know, I'm in my comfort zone. The what if is, well, if I go over there, what if something bad happens again? If I go over there, well, what if this happens? What if that happens? And so we've got to be, get a vision that is bigger than I feel good right now, I'm safe right now, and I'm comfortable right now. We've got to, you know, we open the Word of God and we see this incredible thing and, and says, hey, God's got more for us than most of us have ever asked Him for and ever received and realized. And David, for three months, he's safe, nobody's dying but he doesn't have the presence of God. And so in his spirit, it's like what could be is greater than what is. Uh, imagine this, okay? Uh, most of us have this conversation. You come home from, your kids come home from school, you come home from work, and, and you have this conversation around your dinner table as soon as you walk in, you know, or you have it online with your buddies or whatever. Hey, how was your day? And I bet you most people, most people say, well, it's pretty good. And here's the question I want to ask. Why was it good? And, and if we're being radically and ruthlessly honest, most of us say we had a good day because we had a comfortable day, because we had an easy day, because nothing bad happened, because none of our what-ifs came true that given day, right? And, and I'm just saying, okay, what if our definition of good day was different? What if it was bigger than comfortable what if it was more defined about what could be with God? Think about it and understand this. God has paid the ultimate price to bless you. And it's not bless you with more money or greater this or lesser. It's to give you more of himself and have you fulfilling your calling and your purpose. 
you got to go through uncomfortable and maybe pass through your fear. Now, the second thing that wants to keep you and I in the comfort chair is pain or hurt. David was hurt over what happened three months prior. And here's what I think we have to realize. Getting hurt in a broken, fallen world is unavoidable. Staying hurt is optional. Staying hurt is optional. And I think there's a lot of people, and maybe you've been hurt by the church. Maybe you've been hurt in relationships. Maybe you've been hurt because you did take a risk and it just didn't work out. And, and, and so you'll, you'll sit down and you're like, man, I'm safe here. I'm comfortable here. I'm not going back. I'm not going to try that. And, and I don't want to get hurt again. But isn't it true really that your hurt is still controlling you? That something from your past is still keeping you bound so you can't move forward to God's best? And you're just, you've just chosen to live with your hurt. And your hurt is more of a God than God who endured the ultimate hurt for you is. And I, and I just think there's a lot of people here today, a lot of people listening today, if you're honest, your hurt and your pain and your past has a lot more control over you than God's promises for you when you walk with him, even if you walk with him through uncomfortable. See, see I think all of us have a choice, okay? We're all going to be hurt. David was hurt. And is your pain and hurt, is it the story of your life or is it just a chapter in your life? Think about it. Some people, sometimes we're so defined by our hurt. We're so driven by it to avoid it at all costs or not to go there, not to even talk about it. It just defines us. It's really the story. When in God's economy and in God's will, it's just supposed to be a chapter. It's supposed to be a chapter. And so... David is like, okay, it's been three months, and I've been fearful and frustrated for three months, but I'm going to go for it. I'm going to get up out, and I'm going to move over, and I'm going to bring the ark back to Jerusalem. And he makes a decision. But what's great about this decision is this. This decision doesn't come with any guarantees. I mean, the last time he tried to move the ark, something bad happened. But he decides to move the ark based on hope and promise, not based on certainty. See, I think there's a lot of us, and we're sitting comfortable, and, and we know there's something better out there, and we know there's a place called hope, and we know there's a promise that God's, God's grace, so he's always given grace, and we've always got more, and we can always say the best is yet to come, but we just aren't sure, right? And if God would only make it certain, if God would only give us a guarantee, like, God, can you just tell me what 2021 is going to have? Then I'll trust you more. And David just makes a decision based on the hope of being with God and God's promise that he wants to be with him. And I, I, I want to say this, okay? If God's moving in your life and you're walking with him by faith, which is the, the only way we can connect with God, this word is going to be missing from your decision making. I want you to look at some verses. Look at Abraham. Hebrews 13. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed. When God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. And so he went without knowing where he was going. Isn't that crazy? I mean, now, does that make sense? No. Is that logical? Not really. Hey, why are you in your car, Abraham? Where are you going with your caravan? I have no idea. What are you doing, Abraham? Following God. Where are you going? I don't know. He does. And, and, and so listen, some of us, 
You know, we know, we know every time our campus pastors are, get up and, and make an invitation to, to, to get involved, to get connected, we're like, yeah, I know I'm supposed to, but I just don't know how it's going to work out. I, I, I've talked to couples after couples after couples, and the sole reason, the sole reason, and, I, and the marriage can be just terrible, but the sole reason that they will not decide to move forward, that God wants to save their marriage more than they do, is because, well, I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know how she'll respond. I don't know how he'll respond. There's no faith in that, and God can't bless if it's not faith. And I think there's a lot of us, and we're comfortable where we are, but we yearn to be where God wants us to be. We yearn to be over here. And we're like, God, can you just, can you give me a sign? And the only sign he's going to give you is the sign of his son Jesus dying in your place. Do you trust him and do you trust his words enough to get uncomfortable? So I, I, I just thought of this and <coughs> I want to share this with you. I'd encourage you to write it down, type it in somewhere. Understand this, comfort is not the goal. Hesitation cannot be my habit. Complacency is the enemy and blessing is my destiny. That's for you. Comfort is not the goal. Hesitation cannot be our habit. Complacency is the enemy. Blessing is our destiny. If not, then we'll, be sit, we'll sit here and we'll be stuck and we're going to miss the best. And you were designed for the best because you were created in blessing. Now we send them away, but God bought them back, purchased them, and all we have to do is position ourselves to receive them. So the story continues <coughs> of them bringing the ark into Jerusalem. And look at this. When, when those carrying the ark advanced six steps, David, or he sacrificed an ox and a fattened calf. That's not easy. That's not comfortable, but it's worshipful and it's purposeful. David was dancing with all his might before the Lord, wearing a linen ephod like the priest would wear. So here's what this means is that he had removed his royal robes. And that's going to come back and cause a little tension later, but he had removed his royal robes. And you pick some of that up in 2 Chronicles where this story is told in a, in a little bit different form. So David is worshiping. David has taken off his royal robe because this is all about God. And, and, there's, and really there's only one king and that's God king. And David is just kind of an occupier of that human platform. And so David is dancing before God and he doesn't want his presence as the king to interfere with God getting the worship and God getting the glory that God alone deserves. And so he and the whole house of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of the ram's horn. Now this is uncomfortable worship. This is not self-conscious worship like, oh, is somebody going to hear me singing? This is, no, I'm in the presence of God, and it's the audience of one, and God deserves my praise, and God deserves my singing, and God deserves to hear my heart devotion expressed to him. So all of Israel, all the leadership of Israel is doing this and is engaged in this. And so he, he, here's the other key to overcoming inertia. David makes this decision, I'm going to be blessed. I'm going to be blessed and rejoice in the presence of God. 
And, and now what's beautiful about this is blessing as David's receiving it, David's experiencing it, is not the blessing of David, here's 100 pounds of gold. It's not the blessing of David, you know, you're cured of this or you're going to have all this and live to be 95. It's the blessing of this. I know who I am. I'm a worshiper. I know who I am. I am God's instrument. I am God's child. I am God's chosen person. Blessing is this. I know why I'm here. I'm here to give praise and glory to God through my circumstances, through my position in life. Blessing is this. I have accepted the fact that life is not about me. I'm taking off the royal robe. This is not about me. My purpose is to serve God's purpose. It's really not my purpose. It's God's purpose. He just lets me in on it. Now, if you and I lived from this spot, we would be blessed people. Because, listen, 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 listen. A pandemic can't touch this. Election outcomes can't touch this. The enemy himself, Satan, can't touch this. He can cause you to doubt it but he can't take it away. So David says, I'm going to get up and I'm going to be blessed. Now, I want us to understand something, okay? God can only bless who we are designed to be. He can only bless who we're designed to be. He's not going to be an accomplice in our idolatry. He's not going to bless us here when we got to go through here. Look at this verse. I love these verses, okay? Because this is, this is the key of Christianity, right? For you are saved by grace through faith. You are blessed when you don't deserve it by trusting God. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. So you do not earn blessing. You do not earn salvation. You're not good enough. You just get grace and you receive it. And then it doesn't stop there. So the goal is not, okay, now you just go to heaven whenever your time comes. No, no, no. For we are his workmanship. This is God crafted us, designed us, made us, ordained us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So the, the epiphany in David's soul was simply this. I'm not created to be away from the ark. God did not call me to this, to have the ark over there. God called me to this, to have the ark established in the city of David, in the city of Jerusalem. So yes, I'm going to have to get up and I'm going to have to face my fears and I'm going to have to be willing to get uncomfortable, but be getting uncomfortable is purposeful. Getting uncomfortable is intentional and getting uncomfortable is worshipful, and I get uncomfortable to get where God has prepared me to be. There's one last thing that happens. So as the ark of the Lord is entering the city of David, <coughs> Saul's daughter, Michael, doesn't call her, this is, uh, Michael is David's wife, but the author of Samuel never calls her David's wife calls her Saul's daughter because he wants to contrast Michael and David just like he contrasts David and Saul. And Saul is this very image-conscious, insecure, fearful leader. 
Now look at what Michael does. She looks down from the window and sees King David dancing without his royal robes on. He's leaping and dancing before the Lord, and it says she despised him in her heart. Now what's interesting, if you go back to 1 Samuel 18, it says she loved David. So how does she go from loving David to despising David? And then when David returned home to bless his household, Saul's daughter, Michael, his wife, came out to meet him. And in sarcasm, she says, oh, how the king of Israel honored himself today. She said he exposed himself today in the sight of the slave girls of his subjects like a vulgar person would expose himself. Now, he didn't get naked or anything like that. He just took off his royal robes so that he looked like a priest. He looked like the other people in the crowd. He didn't draw attention to himself. He gave attention, gave glory, gave affection, gave adoration to God. So Michael, why is she upset? Michael is upset because David did not act like royalty. Michael is upset because David did not maintain his image. Michael is upset because David did not meet her expectations. Now the author clearly wants us to contrast where Michael is and where David is. And here's the question that comes out of this, okay? Are we designed to look from the window or live before the Lord? Now, looking from the window is comfortable, right? Dancing before the Lord, there's sacrifice involved. They killed ox every six feet. Dancing, living before the Lord is I got to be willing to take my robe off. And my robe is what people think about me. But God thinks of me first and foremost as a worshiper. Now, before we sort of judge Michael, haven't we all been a little bit like Michael? Because sometimes isn't it easier to find fault with others than to live on purpose yourself? It's easier to be a critic than to live for the cause of Christ. Haven't we all played it safe and watched from a distance and chose isolation over participation? But, But here's what I want us to see, okay? People who are behind the window are often fighting the wrong battle. She's fighting her husband. She's fighting for her definition of comfort. She's fighting for her preference, not living for God's purpose. Could that be some of us today? Because the misconception is God wants it to always be like this and feel like this. And he doesn't. He doesn't. Now, David comes to her, and this is tough, right? Because he's got to have a conversation with his wife. And David says, it was before the Lord who chose me over your father and his whole family to appoint me ruler over the Lord's people. And so I will dance before the Lord. And I will dishonor myself and humble myself even more. However, by the slave girls you spoke about, they'll honor me for honoring God. And and I think there's a last thing that we have to be willing to do to overcome the comfort inertia. And that is we cannot negotiate with negativity. Especially when the negativity is aimed at our purpose. Because listen, there are all these voices in our heads, in our world, in our culture, and in our society. And all these voices are in so many ways trying to keep you living for this. And they're going to be critical 
when you get up and move over here. And they're going to question and they're going to challenge. We don't negotiate with negative voices. We live by the words of God who died in our place. So I just want to ask a couple of questions, pray for us, and invite us back next week. Right now, where in your life do you need to get uncomfortable? Where in your life do you need to make it not about you? I got to take my robe off in this one. Where in your life do you need to push past fear and criticism and push into purpose? And where in your life do you need to decide, not based on certainty and guarantees, but based on hope and based on promise? And to encourage you, I just want us to understand something, okay? Jesus Christ got uncomfortable for you and I. On the cross, it was not about Jesus. It was about the will of the Father and the love for the sinners. On the cross, Jesus pushed past the fear in the Garden of Gethsemane, the criticism of all the other people, even the disciples who said, don't go, Jesus. He pushed into purpose. And on the cross, it says Jesus endured the cross in the Word of God. He endured the cross, scorned its shame for the joy set before him. For you and I to choose Jesus, to choose the way of the cross and to humble ourselves and to push past our desires just to base everything on comfort and instead move into our purpose. So would you and I listen to the Spirit of God and move with Him this weekend? Let's pray together. God, I thank you for your word for us. And I pray right now by your Spirit's presence with the word of God, all of us know how you're knocking on our hearts. All of us know where we need to make it not about us. All of us would know, God, where we need to be willing to get uncomfortable, push past fear and criticism, and bank everything on the hope and promise that you always push us to the best. You always call us toward the blessing destiny. And when we're tempted to doubt it, may we just look at you, Jesus, on the cross. You gave your best to give us your best. And that's our hope. And that's your promise. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.